Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good Friday morning to you. Hoping we find you all in good form. John Paul is taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us today, we'd love to hear from you. 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And already a lot of texts uh, coming in. Firstly, reaction to when I was on with Simon in the last half an hour when I mentioned the photograph that's all over every paper today and it is Boris Johnson appearing to put his foot up on a table in the palace in Paris with the French President Emmanuel Macron uh, looking at him and and I was saying how disrespectful it was and what were you doing when you were in a palace get your foot off the table now straight away in was Diana Skibbereen to say Patricia comments about Boris Johnson if you'd seen the full item on the news last night you would have heard the dialogue between Macron and Boris Johnson something along the lines of well glad that's over we can put our feet up now Johnson in response lifted his leg up and that split second the photograph was taken he did not have his foot resting on that table the names you were calling Mr Johnson were in this case harsh and not true says Diane in uh, Skibberine he leaves himself wide open though the man does when he does something like that and I, and I did say when I was speaking to Simon that I must go away and find the full video clip of it and it was him being a bit of a joker and a bit coming across like a bit of a buffoon and sure why not put my foot up on the table we've done all the work now and that leaves him wide open to photographs like that which have gone all over the world for people like me to criticise him for being utterly disrespectful to the French people having not seen the full video clip and that's what the majority of people will do today when they see that photograph both in the papers and online some more of thank you Diane for your uh, comments by the way some other um Texter says, uh, Patricia, the British Prime Minister looks like he's on something. He he seems very high. I thought he would pull out, pull the hand off the French Prime Minister. And as for poor Angela Merkel, I thought he'd dislocate her elbow. <laughs> the poor uh, woman. Morris says, good morning, Trish. My table's only a cheap yoke. 
That's the word Maura has used. But if someone put their dirty shoes on my table, they get a slap across the head. What's he trying to prove? That he can be a bigger mm, than the other peroxide blonde across the water. I'm as mad as you, says Maura. Anyway, thank you. That's just some of your comments coming in about Boris Johnson. As I say, that picture is all over the papers today. I think every paper I opened, it was on it. And if you go online, it's everywhere there as well. Uh, also coming in on uh, text uh, Patricia you've been talking about graveyards during the week and the maintaining of older graveyards well I agree with people and what they're saying about older graveyards and it really is a disgrace the way some of them have been left to fall into disrepair what are the council and what are force doing there is enough money out there for these places to at least be strimmed grass cut and just cleaned properly get people get people working we have enough pen pushers in jobs. It's workers that we actually need. Get them out of the office and get them cleaning up the graveyards. And hi, thank you. Hi, Patricia. There's another texter with no name on it. I'm going to text you once again on the off chance that something might be done about the loads of hay and straw coming through the town of McCroom. Now, and I'm assuming that this is happening in other areas as well. It's just this listener is from McCroom and is really, really annoyed about it. The place is destroyed since yesterday. Why isn't a netting required over those loads of bales of hay and straw? Or why can't they be sent on the Coolahan Ring Road, which would take them by Kilnagartine and not down through the town. And by the way, no use cleaning it up because we have this for three months and it happens three months of every year at least. And I don't know if other people are affected by that when farmers have to transport the big bales of hay and they've got to get them from the fields into where they're going to store them for the winter. And obviously a certain amount of it's going to blow off. And if you have a number of these trucks, I suppose, passing your property, you're going to end up with the problem that this listener has with bits of straw absolutely destroying her garden and it happens every year and it can go on for three months. I don't know, what is this? could that be a solution that you put some kind of a netting or a tarpaulin over it? Would, would that work? Does anybody do that? Or is it just part and parcel of living in an area where bales of hay on the back of loaders are passing your door? You just have to put up with it. Sort of like when we talk about silage being, storage being spread and uh, when people talk about the smells and, and people are every single year up in arms about it and people say if you live in the countryside you just have to put up with it. 1850 We've been talking yesterday, we mentioned this from the County Council when we were getting the latest update on the bridge closure, well one lane of the bridge being closed in Mallow due to the boardwalk road works that are going on in the town of Mallow and people are wondering when would the works, are they on schedule and when would the bridge fully reopen and we were told that they are on target, they are on schedule and the plan is that the northbound lane of the bridge in Mallow will reopen end of August beginning of September. We'd initially been told by the end of August and they've gone slightly out into September but they did say to us that everything is on target so that's pretty good news uh, for people in living in Mallow or people who are passing through the town that need to use and access the bridge. Unfortunately I don't have the same good news coming out of Bandon because the North 
Main Street road closure. There's an extension gone on to this. We've had an email in from Cork County Council to say that the current works have been delayed on North Main Street in Bandon at the junction of Bank Place. Now that was after the uncovering of the old town wall. The wall had to be exposed by an on-site archaeologist to comply with the archaeological monuments licence conditions. The work was detailed in nature. It needed to be carried out in a safe and a controlled manner to, to ensure there would be no damage done to the old town wall and so therefore there is now a delay. There was also additional undocumented services including a water main and an old culvert which was running adjacent to the pipeline and that's also added to the delays. Now because of those delays Ward and Burke the contractor has had to obtain an extension on the road closure in North Main Street in Bandon. This will be in place now until the 27th of September but they say that if they make good progress they may be out of the section earlier but as of now they're expecting it to remain closed until the 27th of September. Again, like present local access will be maintained where possible. As the road closures on North Main Street in Bandon have been extended, they have decided to reschedule the works at St Finbar's Place Junction until next year and that will give traffic including the school traffic a chance to move more efficiently around the extended closure. They will also now instead be working on Brady's Lane under a road closure 2nd of September to the 13th of October and then starting in McSweeney Quay in September also under a road closure from 16th September to the 30th of November instead of St Finbar's uh, Place and you can uh, keep uh, up to date um, they, 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 I know they are keeping up to date by issuing weekly newsletters uh, to people as well but just not the best of news when it comes to road closures people just put up with the road closures in the hope that they'll be finished sooner rather than later and there's always a sense of a massive sigh I I imagine to hear that North Main Street in Bantam the road closure has been extended. Now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to be speaking about the increase in rents that were revealed in this week's daft.ie report and certainly it wasn't good news for us here in Cork I think for to rent a room, just one room in Cork City went up by over 7% uh, year on uh, year and it just doesn't seem to be abating at all. Every time we seem to be talking about rent, all we seem to be talking about is rents increasing. There seems to be a cooling off in Dublin though. I mean, I imagine that's to do with the rent pressure zone. So we're going to be talking about that uh, this morning. Also giving you advice on the latest bank scams. This bank scam is via a text message and you've got to be so careful particularly of unsolicited text messages or emails or calls and click on nothing. And the best piece of advice if you do get something that you know maybe genuinely is coming from your bank you need to just Take your time. Make absolutely sure that it's coming from the bank. If you're, t- if it's a phone call that you're talking to somebody from the bank, and the banks are so aware of these scams, you know there's nothing for you to. If you're not 100% happy with a phone call you've received, to say to the person, "Can you hang up, please?" and I'll call you back, and then you call them back on a number that you trust, not on the number that they give to you or the number they are calling from. So we'll look at that. Figures on the number of pubs closing over the last 13 years. There's been a huge number of pubs have closed down. Now some will say we've, we always had too many pubs in this country and 
the way people are drinking has changed. There's a lot more drinking at home than, say, previous generations did. Uh, so therefore, it was it was only it was it was only um, expected that many of the pubs would close down because we simply had uh, too many of them and that it will all balance out. But it seems here in Cork, we've lost the biggest number of pub closures than anywhere else in the country. And when you dig down further into it, while some of the pubs would have closed in the city and would have closed in some of the bigger towns, the majority of the closures are in rural areas. And in some cases, it would be the only pub in a particular uh, village. And that can have a devastating effect from the a social aspect, from rural isolation, and even just as a meeting place for, you know, if there's anything going on in the area and people need to get together, if the pub is the only venue that they have, it's often used. It's not just always used for a place to go and to drink drink alcohol. So we'll look at pub closures on the programme today. And then we're going to speak with the owner of Ralph. Ralph is a six-month-old dog who is... Cork's representative in the Nose of Trilly competition. The Rose of Trilly competition, as we know, is on. Lovely pictures of the roses, by the way, in all of the papers. It's kind of this time of the year, isn't it? They'll be every day now over the next few days. You'll open the papers and there'll be various pictures of the uh, roses building up to the competition itself on Monday and uh, Tuesday. But the last couple of years, they started running. Uh, I think it's Pet Sitters is the name of the group that started running this Nose of the Year Rose Nose of Tralee competition and they run it you know just a kind of a, a fun take on the Rose of Tralee and they, it's for the cutest dog uh, really in Ireland and they pick one from each county and uh, Ralph is flying the flag for the Rebel County this year so we'll speak with Ralph's mammy Chloe on the programme uh, today uh, we'll also have a special report from the Rose of Tralee particularly focusing on the Cork connection roses that have a Cork connection they were in Carrigaline uh, this week and Mark Malone will join us after half past twelve uh, today and he'll give us a suggestions of some movies. I mentioned that we're going to be talking about banking scams uh, in this hour on the programme today and the latest one is via a text message and it's giving words of warning and alerting people and reminding people of what you need to look out for. That's prompted some calls in from listeners saying they're back. Computer scammers are back. I got a call at nine o'clock this morning. Uh, says one texter and somebody else says Hi Trish just to say those nuisance calls are doing the rounds again my elderly parents got four of those calls yesterday Uh, and they're probably the computer uh, scammers what I would suggest to and it's just so annoying to older people it's got to get up and down answering the phones and it can be frightening if there's no one at the end of the line or they don't understand what the person is saying Uh, and uh, what I would suggest for your elderly parents is buy them a whistle get a, you know those referees whistles and blow like mad it'll blow the ears off them they might think twice about calling them uh, again now I mentioned from the listener in McCroom who is saying her garden and the area around her house is destroyed and it's because there are farmers moving bales of hay, taking them from the fields, putting them into storage and there's bits of hay and straw flying all over the place. And what can be done about it? Listener says it goes on for about three months every year. Somebody by text says, Patricia, on the bales passing through McCroom, and this isn't just McCroom, this is, will be all over anyone who lives in any sort of an area where they've been, where there's bales of hay. Anyway, the listener explains that it is, the problem is the bad weather. The bales can't be baled hard 
thus softer bales so you'll have bits of hay and straw flying all over the place. Frank Roach, Councillor Frank Roach wants to get in on this discussion. Good morning to you Frank. Hello Patricia. Uh, Frank, I suggested throwing a netting or something over the bales of hay as the listener did as well but you're saying that can't work. Well you see the, um, the problem with um, where all that hay and straw is coming out is all rural roads and rural areas yeah. and as we know since I was elected Every day, and I mean, literally mean every day, as people are to me about overgrown hedges and overgrown trees. And, like, if you put knitting on it, um, the knitting is going to be torn off travelling down with the trees and, 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 and the bushes. Now, actually, last week, a uh, person rang me to go out, go out and bought a bit. They were drawing straw, and he tore the mirrors off his tractor. Now, uh-huh. when I went out to look at the, the, the road, the bushes down along the side road, there was straw tore off of the bushes, and I literally mean tore off of the load. Now, what kind of the mirrors in that situation? And before we go knitting any loads or letting NTS, we have to cut our road that hitches back. There is just no other reason it has to be cut back. It's breaking vehicles, it's breaking trucks, breaking, breaking tractors, and breaking everything. But well, so we're, 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 we're still in the closed season. But we understand that, but the season will be opening in September. Yeah. And I, as a member of Cork County Council, will be definitely insisting that all roadside hedges in the open season will have to be cut back. There is no other, because it's costing colliers, it's costing farmers, it's costing everybody a fortune. Now, the other thing that's annoying me is, in my own situation, I, before I went out to start this year, I had, and every year, I have every vehicle 100%. Okay. You're more than welcome to come and see the mirrors that are cracked, the limbs that have been cracked, the windscreens that have been cracked by all these overgrown trees. <clears throat> now, I'm not talking about bushes, I'm talking about trees that are hanging out in the road. And it's a pure disgrace to think that the council and everybody are hiding behind the Boards Act and the Wildlife Act and this Act, and they're wrecking vehicles. It's costing truck owners, tractor owners, everybody a small possible. And what about the landowners themselves? How much responsibility do they have? Well, if you talk to the county council, they'll blame the landowner. Now, whoever's responsibility is, it ha- they have to be cut back because they're, they're, you know, whether it's the farmer or whether it's the county council, somebody has to take responsibility for this. And in the meantime, it's costing people money. It's costing a small fund. Now, the other thing that there's nobody talking about if any of those vehicles that I've been talking about were involved in, in a serious accident today or tomorrow, whenever, they'll be impounded by the Gardaí. They'll be inspected. And with those vehicles that are inspected, they'll look at a crack in the mirror, they'll look at a crack in the lens, <clears throat> they'll look at a crack in the windscreen, cracks in all of these. They're all recorded as false. When that person will go into court, the judge is inside, he's penalising them for all these faults. Those faults are created by our hedges and by the damage that's been done on the road. That owner or that driver will be prosecuted. It's actually the RSA should be prosecuted. Okay. Those people are putting their vehicles right. Every year they have to get a theft. They have to be right going on the road. And within an hour of getting that theft, you could be out to break your windscreen, you could be out to breaking a mirror or breaking something. And when can you, you can you not go can you not sue the council or sue the landowner if you're able to prove that the damage done to your vehicle was because well, yeah, of you can you can sue the you you can sue the farmer, yes. But nobody does that. 
they don't do that, no. Yeah. Uh, somebody that. else is saying, Patricia, the loads are crazy high and dangerous and the trucks and the tractors are also speeding. So my next text will be the bales after falling and killing someone in a town or some other town. And, and we've all driven behind a load of hay where you're thinking if one of those falls off and I don't know if that happens that often but are some farmers taking risks Frank? To be fair look we can't say 100% but I would say 99% of the people hauling hay and so are very responsible people if you look at them the trail of the good the track to the good the trucks are good they are responsible people and they are tying their loads and and now you might have some flit that's only travelling down half a mile the road or something that might be a bit careless but in general uh, the loads that are going to any major town or any town or village for that matter they're properly secured and they are no I can't say everyone but they are people are responsible to be fair Okay, and the lady who's contacting us, and we've had a number of texts in from her about the mess uh, going through the town of McCroom with the hay and the straw. Does she just have to put up with it? Well, look, I understand that urban people don't realise that the rural people are suffering. Um, no, if uh, if not, possible to cover every load. Um, Maybe the ones going motorways or something like that. There might be something. Look, you can't generalise it. You can't make one law for one and one for another. But, like, to be fair to any of the farmers or any of the straw contractors or anybody dealing with hay and straw, it is to be just lunacy. Because you could cover your load inside in the field and you might be gone 200 metres out the road. And, and it, it would be gone. Yeah, it be gone. Actually, it could be dangerous because if that netting got caught it, up in a hedge, it, it, yeah, it, it yeah. could actually be dangerous. It um, could actually create right. more danger. You uh, know, at least a stop a straw would not harm anybody, but a big need could harm somebody. And I can see the phone lines are hopping and I can see the calls and the texts that are coming in on the hedges and the need to cut back the hedgerows. But it's, it's, it's absolutely... And like to see, we have to look at this. Like we have judges sitting in benches that are actually... And we have, have journalists and, and radio stations that are actually talking about faults that are in vehicles that are involved in accidents. These faults are all caused by... Well, I won't say all, but a lot of them are caused by by the, the, the conditions of our roads. Now, to be fair, the surface of our roads are not bad, and there's not many people complaining about the surface of our roads. You might have not part out here and there, but by God, since I got elected... It's I the hedge. It's the overgrown hedge. And I, every single day, I have people ringing me about hedges. I have people sending me videos from truck cabs uh, where they're hitting trees, breaking mirrors. Um, last week, I came to an accident down in between Kildare and, and uh, Patrick. Two lorries collided. Now, in fairness, You'd carry five lorries on the way of the road, but you're better to in the bushes where they were all pushed out into the middle of the road. Okay. Um, and t- I, what, what car driver don't drive, but you're driving your car on the road, is probably about two metres wider than where, the, where a lorry is driving. Because our roads down low are kind of kept back a bit from cars and mm-hmm. them, but where the lorries are driving, where you're overhanging uh, trees and bushes, it's actually push him out in the middle of the road trying to protect their vehicles. Okay, some of the texts coming in. Uh, hi, Patricia. Uh, Tom here from Mallow. I'm a truck driver and what Councillor Frank Roach is saying to you is spot on. He is so right about the hedges and even apart from the damage, it is so, so dangerous. We have to keep out from the hedges so far and then we get people blowing their horns at us and complaining about us. It is way more dangerous than speeding. I invite you to travel with me someday to show you just how bad it is. You will be shocked. Most of the time we're on rural roads we are a foot and a half out from from the hedge. Goodness me. And someone else is saying it isn't just truck drivers. 
Tommy in Formoy says if you travel any of the rural roads the hedging is growing out to meet you and it's scraping the sides of cars I know people want to look after the birds but surely we have to think of the humans as well Dennis in Castle Magnor says farmers would have no problem cutting the hedges but because of the Wildlife Act they're not allowed to uh, what always annoys Dennis is he reckons birds won't nest where there's a lot of noise so they're not nesting in those hedges which are beside the roads but the wildlife crowd is how Dennis puts it have nothing else to do uh, but uh, but they need to know the reality it's bureaucracy gone mad there are a number of people out there who are just simply out to make life hard for those of us who are working under pressure and on and on and on it goes and the lines are just lighting up like a Christmas tree so I know exactly you uh, go on yeah you you see it's a funny amount of people around you. You can imagine me as being an elected representative. Yeah, yeah. The amount of people, every single day, people are ringing. I've been invited out. I've seen trucks that mirror, they've been ringing me, tell me, in a temper, we're after breaking in. I won't say hot mirror, right? Hit the tree here. You'll go out. You'll see your mirror broke. They'll take it on. they show you where they hit the tree. They're showing us all that. They're not bluffiest. It is absolutely scandalous. As a councillor, Frank, what can you do? Look, for the motion when we resume in September, it will be the first thing I will be insisting on that all hedges, uh, that there'll be possibly even a compulsory order uh, to try and get people to cut back the hedges. Now, whether it's the council or whether it's the farmers, um, just that they have to cut, you know. And the second thing that I would be even suggesting is that before the season closes in April, that all rotated hedges are cut back a second time. Now, I might be looking for a bit much, but I do think that it won't cost a lot if you can cut once, it's easy enough to maintain them. And if the hedges, if it's compulsory to cut them in April and cut them again in September, that would relieve an awful lot of the problem. Yeah, and we're going to have school buses now out on the roads next week. Well, you're going to have victims to, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Michael uh, says 100% agree with Councillor Frank Roach. It's a nightmare driving on rural roads. Cyclists, car owners are all out in the middle of the road because of the briars, the trees, and the bushes. The briars are shaking hands in the middle of the road. Remember PJ Sheen when he said that about the briar all those years ago? His words were never so true. Yeah, that's nearly 30 years ago when PJ Sheen made those comments little did you think we'd still be talking about it 30 years later alright uh, Frank thank you for that right, sir, and, and thanks for joining us and, okay, uh, no, and uh, no doubt we'll talk again uh, Councillor Frank at Roach 1850 as I say people very very annoyed about the damage done to vehicles I mean you know people will give out about overgrown hedges but it's when it actually costs you money if you've lost a wing mirror. I mean, truck drivers, we've heard over the years, countless, I've lost, I literally have lost count of the number of truck drivers who's contacted us who say that their vehicles are being severely damaged because of overgrown uh, hedges, much more so than car owners, but equally car owners are having difficulty uh, as well. So have a little bit of, I just, I felt for the, t- the truck driver who texted in saying that when they end up having to drive almost in the middle of the road, they have no real choice because the briars are coming out so much. And of course, then if a car comes on the other side, blowing the truck off the road. So maybe stop and think before you start to get annoyed with the truck driver 
why he's actually moved almost over onto the to the other side of the road. Maybe he's doing it for a safety uh, reason. John Paul taking your calls 1850 The phone lines have been very busy. Remember there are other ways you can contact us. Text and WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and don't forget you can also uh, get through to us on Facebook Messenger. Laura Gelga, RC 103. Back Rap August Ashore, Tupac Shakur. Rugak Tupac in Nua Aruk Merk. Vi bwint mor ega hismohori sa vaktas m kerta sevilta de guini gurma iverka agus ka avahar trevsha e brzunfiu agus ieg umper Tupac. Kuiga kura gumur e vaim er Tupac agus hustig she e kumakul in nejog octoshots. Hiol she kuig album kul agus e in a vahig. For she boss, earn true law deog de van for, ne deog no cache, ox e cuig vlinas fea. Le brewer guelga, is misha abini vinicon, o guelskol homostavish mala. CKed asa three kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Housing charities have called for direct government intervention to ease the pressures on the rental market following the recent rent report from daft.ie highlighting the significant issues in the private rental sector. Adele Conlon is with Threshold in Cork and Adele joins me. Good morning to you Adele. Good morning Patricia. And now rents in Dublin appear to be cooling off. Is that evidence that the rent pressure zones are working? Um, I suppose they are, you know, in, in the, the cities like Dublin and Cork City, they have searching, we've seen the inflation come down a bit. The problem now, Patricia, is that it's going outside of the cities and into the counties, which we've um, seen in, in Cork County, with uh, a year-on-year increase of 12%. Um, and as you know, the rent pressure zone rate is 4%. So it's, it's you know, substantially above that 4%. So the I suppose the attention has now gone to outside the rent pressure zones and what's going to be done to to, to relieve the, the, the rent pressure there. So people can't afford or can't find a property to rent in the city so they're moving out. They're moving outside and I suppose you know, landlords know what's coming down the line. If they see that the the cities are being announced as rent pressure zones, they're you know, of course, they're going to be thinking, right, this this is coming our way. Um, you know, I need to get on top of things and and increase the rent to to uh, above what it is now. Um, in order to, I suppose get, you know, in some instances, get away with it, you know. Um, now, I'm not saying all landlords are doing that, but we have seen, you know, um, some some do that. But a 12% increase, that's, that is a big in- increase. Are, they, are rents at record high now? They are. They're yeah. nationally at a record high. So the national average rent is now 1,391. Uh, in Cork City, it's 1,366. And in the county, it's now 1,030. So, I mean, we've never seen rents like this, Patricia. And um, the lack of housing, um, the lack of available property. So, again, um, it was the lowest number on record since DAFT has collated their data. Um, So, it's now 2,700 properties nationally available to rent on DAFT. Um, 245 of those were in Cork, County and City. Um, 95 in the city so you know if, if you look at any of the areas like Ballincollig, um I had a look at this morning just six properties Patricia and Ballincollig, and it's oh you know that's such a huge town now yeah um, 10 in Mallow five in Bandon 
you know, very low figures and very high rents. I mean, one of the properties in Ballancolic was 1,660. A two-bed was 1,500. Um, in Bandon, there was a one-bed for 700. You know, so... They the, the, are the crazy figures. Crazy figures. Um, the private rental market is just completely, you know, bursting at the seams now. There's people in there. I suppose if if we look back a few years ago, Patricia, people, you know, were able to rent and save to buy, you know, the property. Yeah. That, you know, everyone dreams of. Um, but now you've got people in the private rented sector who are on half availing of housing assistance payment for, for various reasons. You've got people who are working also in the private rented sector, paying huge rents um, and unable to save now for that property. I mean, I mean, like as years, rent prices, like you mentioned there, there are people scrimping and scraping just to pay the rent. Just to pay the rent. They will never really, realistically, Patricia, save in, the, you know, in the next five years at least. I mean, this is only in my opinion, in order for that deposit to, to purchase, you know, it's just it's just not possible. Um, so what's so the solution? What do we need the government to do? So I suppose, I mean, the real issue is, is the supply. So we need the government to, to build. Um, we haven't built social housing for, you know, the last um, probably eight years. Um, so we need a lot of social housing to come on stream um, to make room in the private rented sector. Um, we also need to um, look at, I suppose, to, to strengthen the rights of tenants while we're doing that. And I suppose that's where threshold comes from. Um, and one of the issues that we called for um, to be looked at this week was the deposit protection scheme. So I suppose I've been working in threshold now for 10 years. For the first five years of that, or the top issue that came to us was deposit retention issues. So... If we're looking for all this building to, to happen, which we need, um, there's going to be more movement in the market once, start pe- once the tenants start moving. So deposit retention issues are going to come on, come to us again. So we need to, um, I suppose, we need a deposit protection scheme to be brought in. But were we not promised one in as far back as 2011? Exactly, we were. Um, and it was legislated for in, in the amended Residential Tenancies Act in 2015, and it's still not there. Um, now, and the, and yeah. the reason it's not there? I think it's it's just an administration. There's a, there, there, yes, there will be a lot of administration with it, but, you know, it's priority now. There have been a lot of changes to the legislation this year, just in June gone by. They've been, you know, um, I suppose a lot of um, changes in... Re- in relation to regulatory um, powers, so the RTB have been given more powers now to investigate. Um, you know, we've seen extension to notice periods. Um, we've, you know, we, we've seen a lot happening, but at the same time, there's certain things that need to be looked at straight away, and what the deposit protection scheme would it's be one of them. It's so, definitely one of them. Yeah, and, and, and I assume you were pleased this week with the Workplace Relations Commission ordering Daft to stop using ads that. Just discriminate against people you know the, the famous ones you know mm-hmm. professionals only or no rent allowance accepted Absolutely I mean it's hard enough to be you know look, going out looking for a property and um, being discriminated against so um, I suppose that we've seen here in Threshold um, when the Equal Status Act was amended to include uh, discrimination on the grounds of housing um, that you know a lot of landlords weren't aware of it 
that this was now um, discrimination. But I suppose when someone comes to us and they, you know, they say that our landlord isn't going to accept HAP, um, usually we just contact the landlord, explain the legislation to them. You know, and and in a lot of cases we are successful, and and the landlord is okay. I wasn't aware, um, that's fine, um, and and the the papers are then submitted to the the local authority, um. So you know, if anyone is out there and they're being refused um housing assistance by their landlord, it's important that they contact us, and you know, just a little bit of advocacy from us works. You know. Okay, and it's the time of year the first run CAO offers are out mm-hmm. in this scramble for students to find uh, accommodation. Yeah. Do, they, well, they need to be careful on a few fronts. We need them to they get do. decent, decent accommodation. But scams. I mean, I was even reading the paper this morning. Scams are still doing the rounds. There, um, we had a campaign in May uh, raising awareness around it because we had some students come to us who'd been scammed out of eighteen hundred euros each. Um, so a lot of the time, these properties are advertised and. In some cases, Patricia, they look too good to be true, you know, but um, that does attract people, you know, especially foreign students who are coming over to study. So it's important that people um, go and view the property. I mean, we had a case this week where um, a deposit was paid on a property, you know, and, and they never viewed it. And then the landlord came looking for more money um so we you know straight away we advised them that they weren't to pay any more money without arranging a viewing um so it's important that not to hand over cash you know and to to go it seems crazy that anyone would hand over money without viewing the property but i but when people get desperate adele that's what happens isn't it yeah it is you know people are just desperate to find accommodation um you know parents that their children are going off to study for the first year and they want you know to ensure that that their child gets that opportunity so accommodation is vital and unfortunately as you say if if a person is desperate they'll do you know they'll do anything to to secure that property and when there's such a demand you know um so yeah it's important that people contact us if they have any doubts and we'll talk them through it and you know we can always uh, as i say advocate and represent people as well at the residential tenancies board if if there is a dispute comes about okay listener by text uh, says rent in bandon is extremely high and it is not a rent pressure zone rent is Mm -hmm. dictated by the market which is dictated by demand Mm -hmm. and increasing rents inflated by lack of housing it is just pure greed yeah, we were surprised to see that Bandon wasn't announced as the rent pressure zone there in, in June. Uh, for Moy and Middleton were added to the rent pressure, pressure, pressure zone list. But um, there has been changes to the criteria now in um, rent pressure zones. So they've taken the Dublin rents out of it when calculating, you know, mm. um, which which has helped, which solved for Moy and Middleton. So in the next... Um, uh, quarterly report from the RTB uh, we would hope to see Bandon and, and also McCroom has huge rents as well yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's everywhere now Patricia I mean ideally we'd like to see the whole country declared as a rent pressure zone you know um, I mean why wait you know why wait to see people just being put under more and more pressure and you know that's why we called for the deposit protection scheme why wait we have to be proactive here we have to get things in place to ensure that tenants are being treated fairly Okay and remind listeners Adele if they need to contact you how you can be contacted Yes so you can contact us on 1800 454 454 so that's our headline and that's opened 9am to 9pm Monday to Friday and then of course our website www.threshold.com 
ie, which has a lot of information, um, and also then you can um, email advicecork at threshold.ie. Okay, all right, listen, we leave it there, Idel. Thank you for that. Thank and you. thanks for joining us. That is uh, Idel Condon uh, joining us from Threshold in Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay, lots of calls and texts coming in. Let me get some of your reaction to a piece that actually I started the programme with when I mentioned the email that we had in from Cork County Council on behalf of the contractor Ward and Burke Construction who are doing the Bandon Water Main and Sewerage Network upgrade with the bad news for people in the Bandon area that the North Main Street, the road closure has been extended and the extension now goes on until the 27th of September even though Ward and Burke say if they make good progress they may be out of that section earlier but you can expect at the very most probably a week off that uh, so certainly the most of September the road is going to be closed and it's obviously going to create an absolute nightmare with schools heading back next week and actually did we hear yesterday that some of the abandoned schools opened yesterday and today some of them already opened anyway some of the thoughts coming in from the good people of Bandon Texture lists out the schools saying St Brogan's Hamilton High School Presentation Convent Girls Schools Sculphoric Neafa Boys School the two Montessori schools Lara National School Castle Lack National School all those schools will be affected by the extended closure of North Main Street in Bandon. Imagine all the traffic, says this uh, texter, who also comes up with a good suggestion and says, I've already made this suggestion before. Uh, Why not operate a shuttle bus service that could be provided for secondary school students who go to school by car and just do it for the duration of the North Main Street road closure. I wonder has anybody locally seriously looked at that as a suggestion but failing that you're going to need a lot of patience next week the parents and the young people as they've been dropped and collected from a school via our the C103 Facebook page John Paul put this piece up on our Facebook page some of the comments coming in there Michelle says I understand completely that these roadworks need to happen but I'm also a resident of Cork Road and I'm very fearful for the students of the secondary and national school that walk every day to and from school on the Cork Road I really do believe it is an accident waiting to happen school buses also access the road and have multiple stops on this hill which is another death trap with traffic trying to overtake these buses are stopping right outside entrances to estates kids are running out on the road may I add supervised by parents uh, this has got to be addressed as well and a number of people actually talking about the extra traffic on the Cork Road because of the road closures Moray said it is an accident waiting to happen on the Cork Road people walking on both sides of the road and then lorries trying to go up at the same time And Karen says, what a disgrace. It's affecting all of the residents up in Cork Road, this extended closure with the increased traffic volume. It's only a matter of time before there is a bad accident and hopefully there won't be. But there's a number of people all saying pretty much the same thing. So thank you for that. But just uh, for those that haven't heard it, the North Main Street road closure in Bandon has had to be extended now by Ward and Burke Construction and it will remain closed at the moment now until September the 27th. Hedges and the cutting thereof of hedges. Goodness me, did we get a reaction to Councillor Frank Roach who joined us on the programme. Let me give you some of the calls and comments coming in. 
to uh, us. Karen in McCroom says many people have to use back roads around McCroom as the traffic can be so busy in the town and these roads now are so overgrown and it simply is not safe. Some of them can be as busy at times as the main N22. Something needs to be done about overgrown hedgerows and people please need to stop blaming farmers as they are not allowed to cut the hedges due to the Wildlife Act. Podrick in Mitchellstown says many people who have company cars and vans. Here's, here's a good one. I, I'm assuming Podrick drives a company van. He says many people who are driving a vehicle, that bel- no, it's not theirs, it's their company vehicle, are driving miles to simply avoid some of the roads that they're using because of the briars and the overgrown hedges. They can be going miles out of their way and they're doing it just to avoid their cars getting scraped by briars. They end up using a lot more diesel and they're doing it to try to protect the company car and I'm assuming they're doing it because they're afraid they're going to get into trouble with the company if they come back and there's wing mirrors broken and scratches all over the place. Sheila in Mill Street, I agree with Councillor Frank Roach who joined you in the last hour about the hedges along the roads. Some farmers are great, but most farmers will not cut them. My husband has trucks. He broke a complete mirror from an overgrown hedge. So I think landowners and farmers should be compulsory made to cut the hedges. Also, you're driving behind a tractor with the bales of hay on them and the hay is falling off because it's getting caught in the trees. So that can make driving behind some of these cars trick these trucks tricky because obviously the hay is you know falling onto the windscreen of your car as well and it isn't the person driving the tractor with the load of hay it's the hay is rubbing off all the hedges which was the point that Frank made when it was suggested that some kind of a netting could a netting be put over to stop the hay you know blowing in the breeze and landing everywhere it would get caught I think the way Frank described it as spot on it would get caught in the hedges Michael in uh, Mitchellstown when you're driving on some rural roads you do have to drive in the middle of the road and that's simply down to the overgrown hedges where are the crowd who are talking about the wildlife and those that come up with the details of the Wildlife Act do any of them live in rural areas once upon a time the council would send out a man who would have a slash hook and he would maintain all of these hedges and the verges but they don't do that anymore says uh, Martin and some of your whatsapps in on this hi Patricia Rhodes I live in Skull there is a road by the quarry in Skull the road is the pits TD's council promised to fix it. It's a health and safety issue now. Now I'm assuming that's potholes as opposed to overgrown hedges. Thank you for that. Tractors, says another texture, are now gigantic in size and our roads are not fit for purpose. Tractors also can be overloaded and some do not travel at slower speeds. I live in the countryside and hedges are being decimated even though it is the closed season. I'm sure if the hedges were cut before this, we wouldn't have had a problem. Hedges don't get cut. They get destroyed by some uh, people. OK, and there's, a good, there's a couple of good points in, in that particular text. I think the roads, you are right. When the roads were initially built, particularly roads in rural areas, they were built for a horse and trap that might have had a load of hay on the back of it. They certainly were never built for the large volume of traffic that's on many of these roads. And certainly tractors and some of the agricultural machinery is absolutely huge. It's ginormous. 
and it has to travel on rural roads and the rural roads are just not fit for purpose. So I, th- I think I think you're right on that. Some will speed. We we often get, well, not often, but we do get complaints from listeners who say they were driving behind a tractor with a trailer and uh, the person driving it was, was, you know, the tractor was nearly bouncing, the trailer was nearly bouncing off the road. They were travelling so fast. But the same can be said of people driving ordinary cars. You'll get people who will drive safely and will drive within the speed limit and then you get the lunatics who will drive fast so so you know you can't tire everybody with the one brush but uh, uh, thank you for your call 1850 the trucks are too big on the small roads somebody else is making that very same point by text good man Frank says a texter you're dead right and that comes in from John in North Cork and Michael Collins the TD is listening to us he says well done to Councillor Frank Roach who is completely right the verges throughout West Cork are also shocking. The council should be cutting the verges like they like they used to once do and not leaving it to community and voluntary groups and individuals. Minister Josephia Madigan did a grave injustice to rural Ireland by not allowing the verges to be cut until September. This has led to accidents. This minister is Dublin based and does not realise the difficulties drivers and road users experience in rural communities and how many people are saying that that decisions are made by people who have never lived and worked in a rural area and don't know what it's like to live and work in a rural area. And then a text in no name on this Hedges Rose think about the tourists well, this is a good one. Think about the tourists, Patricia, who hire cars driving around the wonderful wild Atlantic Way. You would end up with wild repair bills after their trip from scratch marks just driving along the country roads. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, and of course we don't hear from tourists because they go back, but you would wonder how many tourists, when they are dropping cars back, how many of them are being caught because the scratches, because obviously the car goes out perfect, and if they come back with scratches on them, I wonder how many. God, that would leave a very bad taste in your mouth, wouldn't you? As you're leaving our beautiful shores, to suddenly realise you're being fined by the hire company, or they're taking money off you because there are scratches on the car. Another texture. This is on children going back to school. Do parents have children living a short distance from school not know they have two legs under them? <laughs> Why not let them walk? Parents will say, and before, and I'll jump in because I know we'll get a call in about after that text. Parents will say they'd love to let their children walk to school, but the roads are too dangerous, even for children that live in a walking distance. Now, a lot of children do walk to school, but the majority get dropped by Mammy and our uh, Daddy. And parents, I've heard parents, we've had them on this programme, they said they would love their children to walk or cycle to school, but the roads are simply too busy, they're too dangerous, and not a chance that we're going to to do that. That would be some of the arguments. There's also laziness. Absolutely. I will accept that. There are uh, we've we, we, generation snowflake. We are raising a generation of children who are used to being ferried from A to B. They don't like to get wet. They don't like to get to walk anywhere. And is that down to the parents? Are we creating a generation of very, very lazy children? Uh, I wonder. Okay, just on some different issues. Oh, just to let people know when we're talking about traffic, there's roadworks at the bends in Ballybeg, just outside of Botford. There's a stop and go system in place. Motorists need to be aware, so that's going to slow people down if you're on. That's the uh, Mallow to Butterfield Road as you come to Ballybeg. Stop and go system there. And lots of people telling us that their scam calls are operating in the Mitchellstown area in particular. I 
we, we've seen this before in the past. They seem to target areas. You know, they'll target the 023 area or the 028 area uh, and we'll give it a mention. Suddenly we'll get a flood of calls in from people saying, yeah, yeah, they're very much in our area. So it seems to be the 025 area they're targeting uh, this morning. And they're very friendly. These are the computer scammers, the ones who are trying to get access to your computer. Um, one listener was on to say very friendly person on the phone this morning you know how are you doing are you keeping well hope everything's going okay with you need to have a quick chat with you I'm here to help you and you know they really are trying to gain people's trust and that's what they do that's what they do these scam artists are getting better and better at what they do but they are scam artists and they are only out to get money from you so beware please of anyone that rings you up that you don't know and they're trying to sell you something or they're trying to tell you there's something wrong with your computer just hang up immediately and the best one on the computer one is to say to them that you don't have a computer Uh, they are just chancing their arm that every home has a computer but just tell them that you don't have one and, and they'll get off the phone Pretty quickly. Or the other one I read on, on, a, on, I saw it on Twitter during the week. I just can't remember what guard the station it was. They rang a guard the station <laughs> and uh, they started the conversation like that. How are you doing? You know, hope you're having a good day. Here to help you now. Just we've noticed a problem with your computer. We're with Microsoft and they'll always use, you know, recognised name or whatever. <laughs> Next, the guard that says, you've just rang a guard the station and they hug up very, very quickly, I can tell you. Hi, Patricia, would you give a mention this morning, please, that we're having a massive two euro day at the St. Vincent de Paul shop in Dunmanway. It's just to show our appreciation to all of our fantastic customers. So great bargains to be had at uh, SVP in Dunmanway with a two euro sale all day today. C103 Jobs. Capita Customer Solutions. They're holding an open day today. Now it's on in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. It started at 10 this morning and it's on until 3 this afternoon. If you want to call in for a chat, please bring along your CV. A window fitter is wanted for West Cork. Some experience in construction necessary. You also need to have a full driver's licence. The HSC is recruiting home care staff. That's in the West Cork uh, area. While the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they've got vacancies for a part-time kitchen assistant and a part-time accommodation assistant. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103, the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Fergal Curtin from Yall AC. After a stellar season with Arizona State University, Fergal performed a personal best run of 3.42.20 at the Portland Games. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Echo and C103. We will come back to the issue of hedge cutting because I can see the amount of calls and texts coming in but I want to move on to a different topic because there are just over 1,500 fewer pubs in Ireland than there was in 2005 with a further 71 closing down last year. The greatest number of closures in the past 13 years have been here in County Cork with a 25% decrease. Podrick Cribben is Chief Executive of the Vintners Federation of Ireland and uh, Podrick joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Podrick. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, And and you're welcome. Uh, Are you concerned about the decline in rural pub numbers? Uh, Of course, one has to be concerned uh, because, you know, it's one thing to look at statistics uh, but, you know, behind each statistic, there's a family, there's a business, 
there are employees uh, and there there are all the pressures that go with closing businesses and uh, you know we we have over the last uh, decade or so lost a lot of pubs and it's not just pubs in rural Ireland uh, we've lost uh, post offices we've lost banks in some cases we've lost schools and it is pretty symptomatic of a, a trend where by and large rural Ireland has been uh, I would use the word neglected uh, by successive governments uh, and if you look at where that neglect comes it comes in terms of uh, various ways lack of transport lack of lack of broadband but particularly jobs, because, you know, jobs are the oxygen that keeps communities moving. And I'm not talking about necessarily having jobs in, in, in every village and every parish. But, you know, if you have jobs, whether it be in urban centres or whatever, the, the, the rural areas feed into that. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing a Dublin, a very Dublin-centric government uh, uh monopolized by people from if you take if you take a line from Drogheda through Navan to Nace to Bray within that area and that seems to be where the concentration is and the activity is to the detriment of rural Ireland. Yeah, I think a lot of people will will agree with you on that, uh, Porrick. And when a rural area loses a pub, it's much more devastating than the closure of a pub in in a city centre or in a large town, isn't it? Well, you see, there are many rural areas <clears throat> that don't have community centres, that don't have community meeting places. And in those uh, areas, the pub actually becomes the hub, whether it be a meeting place for um, uh, local organisations or whatever. And if that closes, then, you know, the, 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 the communities are often left bereft of uh, a, a, a meeting place, etc. And there are things, you know, um, this is not to say that, you know, pubs are dead because there are very many very good pubs uh, in rural Ireland in, in right across the country. Uh, publicans have shown themselves, even though quite a number of pubs have closed over the last decade or so, publicans have shown themselves to be very resilient in reinventing themselves, whether that be in terms of events or food or whatever. But at every turn, I mean, if you take even those that have moved into food, um, in, in the last budget, they got hit with a 4.5% increase uh, on margins that were already very tight. And if you look at drink, and I mean, a, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good tourism in Cork. Uh, we are very expensive for alcohol because of the level of excise uh, that is um, uh, imposed upon us. And to give you just uh, two examples, uh, a, a pint of beer in Ireland, manufactured in Ireland, attracts a, 50, a 55 cent a pint uh, excise. That same pint in Germany attracts 5 cent. And a bottle of whiskey made in uh, East Cork, uh, sold in Ireland, will attract uh, a combination of between that and excise of 15.66. That same bottle of um, whiskey made in Middleton, uh, exported to Italy, will attract excise and VAT of €6.50 for a difference of just under €10. So we're actually trying to, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting battles with one hand tied behind our back and that hand is tied behind our back by our own government.
Yeah, because I was looking in advance you coming on today, I was looking at some of the at the excise rates on, I mean, the, the wine one, I think it's where we're 25% higher than any other EU country on a bottle of wine. And the, the spirits, 26% higher than the United Kingdom. And you straight away have to think about Brexit. You have to think about Brexit. You have to think about cross-border shopping. Yeah. Uh, you have to think about all of those things. And, and really... Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a scenario where we are shooting ourselves in the foot uh, and are probably in both feet. And there is scope in the upcoming budget, despite all of the pressures, to actually look at the excise scenario. And that'll help. You know, it'll help small businesses. It'll it'll help certainly help fledgling um, distilleries, and it'll it'll certainly help the trade that I'm involved. We've been talking about minimum pricing for quite some time and the government and the the people who are pushing for minimum pricing on alcohol suggest, you know, it's it's more to do with the off-trade than the on-trade. What is your view on minimum pricing for alcohol? We we have been uh, uh, ardent supporters of, of minimum unit pricing for alcohol. I'd go so far as to say we were the first ones in this country to introduce the concept when people were talking about a ban on below cost selling. We actually said a ban on below cost selling doesn't work but because nobody can define what cost is. What you actually need is minimum unit pricing. And we started that battle a decade ago. Uh, it is now part and parcel of the legislation, but we have a minister. We're waiting for a minister uh, to sign a piece of paper to commence it. Uh, it's It's been on the statute books since November last and uh, we would welcome it and we think it would be a wise thing to implement and to implement fast. Are you fearful, Porik, we will see more pubs close? I think there are still a lot of challenges out there. Uh, There are challenges around the areas that I've spoken about. There are challenges certainly created by the drink driving legislation, I would have to say that. But there are also challenges in terms of regulation. What we have is a scenario. See, most of the pubs in this country are small businesses. They're family run, uh, family managed, family owned, family run. And there's a lot of legislation comes through, whether in the area of employment legislation or other regulation, which is geared for big companies with uh, HR departments and administration departments. But the same standards and the same laws are applied to uh, the, the the small family businesses and it creates enormous pressures both in terms of mental pressures and in terms of cost. Uh, so there are those pressures out there. Yes, I think there will be some further consolidation in the marketplace, but I would be equally uh, very confident of the future of the Irish pub, uh, both uh, rurally and, and from an urban point of view, because of what they've done in reinventing themselves, because of the offering and because of the standards that they uh, provide for both domestic and for uh, tourists. And they play an integral part of our tourist industry because I know when the exit interviews are done with tourists, the amount of tourists that will mention one of the reasons that they came to the country in the first place and one of their highlights of their trip was a visit to, to a country pub. Yeah, and you know, we, we tend to be some, sometimes as a nation a bit apologetic about that. Uh, and why should we be apologetic about something? If the tourist wants something and the tourist enjoys something, then, you know, lay it on. And uh, it is, the pub is a very integral part because, you know, people don't come to this country for the weather generally. 
they come for the scenery, they come for the people, and where are they, you know, they come for the entertainment, they come for the culture, and a lot of that, they're going to meet the people, they're going to be entertained, etc., in pubs. So, in actual fact, it's something that we should cherish rather than uh, to be in any way ashamed of. Uh, Dan in Ballinhastic says delighted to hear somebody is talking about the price of drink in this country uh, we are paying too much something must be done about it and Steve who is a bar owner is on uh, about the issue of uh, uh, the price of alcohol which we did deal with but as a Vintners Federation are you calling on the government to try to reduce the price of alcohol? What we are calling on the government to do is actually to reduce the level of excise uh, that is uh, uh, on alcohol to bring it back towards European norms. And if that happens, that will allow the retailers, as in the publicans, etc., to reduce to reduce prices accordingly without, without the type of... Because if you take the price of a pint in a pub, uh, the average price of a pint, just over a third of that goes to the government. Just over a third of it goes to the... Uh, just about a third of it goes to the supplier. So the publican is left with about a third uh, to cover all his or her costs, so I can assure you, it's not um, it's not very lucrative in that sense. So the 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 the, the route to reducing those prices are actually for the government to look at the excise and VAT levels. And they make a lot of money. The Exchequer makes a lot of money out of alcohol. Uh, the excise alone brings in about one point two four billion a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not an insignificant sum, uh, and and there are. Uh, you know, there is scope there to actually take action in the upcoming budget. Okay, and obviously when we're talking about rural pubs and the closure of rural, rural pubs, we have to mention rural isolation and the and the important role that many of the pubs play. Absolutely. And, you know, um, rural isolation is a problem and there are a lot of what I would call do-gooders out there who say, well, sure, you know, can't we have this and can't we have that? The reality is, for for people who are not uh, tuned into so- to social media, for people living in the countryside, for a lot of people, the social outlet is down in the pub where they meet their neighbours, where they talk about the price of cattle, or they talk about the price of grain, or the football, or the hurling match, or whatever scandal might be um, in vogue on a given day. But, you know, that's part and parcel of what we are and who we are. And there are some people who would like to uh, kind of obliterate that from our DNA. But, you know, DNA is DNA and it won't change that easily. OK, just finally, Nolan Douglas says, I was out in this in this city a couple of weeks ago and I purchased a non-alcoholic drink. It was Heineken Zero and it cost me five euro and 20 cent. Uh, I know prices are going up in general, but that amount of money for non-alcoholic drinks sounds a bit on the steep side. Yeah, well, there is a myth about the cost of, uh, if you take the, and he, he mentions the specific product, which is Heineken Zero Zero. Uh, first of all, it actually costs more to produce that product uh, because you actually have to put the alcohol in to brew it out. And the only difference from a, on that bottle is there's increased costs. The, the excise on that bottle is 32 cent. So there's a, there's the scope for a 32 cent, uh, difference in that and the ordinary bottle when you take away the, uh, additional, um, the additional, um, production costs. Oh, so it's production cost is the reason it's high. Absolutely, but, yeah. but Mike in Bantry says, hi Trish, how come a rock shandy can be dearer than a pint of beer? Rock Shandy can because, uh, in in essence, what publicans do is like any business. They have a suite of um, they have a suite of products that they're selling. They balance their prices 
to make sure that they stay alive and in existence. And, you know, in some places, uh, it, it, uh, it, it may be appear to be dear, but then in other places, people are going in and there are another pint of water with blackcurrant juice and getting it for nothing. So there's the swings and roundabouts. Okay, and someone wants to point out that they're in, if you're counting pubs, in McCroom, there's seven pubs. Uh, at one stage, there was 35. But I suppose yeah. in some of those areas, there was too many. Oh, there's no doubt that there was a level of overpubbing, and some might argue that in some areas there may still be quite uh, a small amount of overpubbing. That is, you see, lifestyles have changed. Uh, people's uh, approach to drinking has changed. So all of those things are factors in the equation. So yes, there was a level of overpubbing in, in a lot of towns. But, and uh, of course, at the end of the day, the marketplace always defines, it doesn't make any difference whether it's pubs or shoe shops or florists or hairdressers or whatever. The market at the end of the day will determine uh, what's viable and what's not viable. Okay, we'll leave it there, uh, Porik. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Porik Cribben, who is the Chief Executive of the Vintners uh, Federation of Ireland. 1850 333 Texter says, to save the Irish pub, I think they should leave 16 to 18-year-olds into pubs between 9 and 11, drinking minerals, not drinking alcohol. Uh, There is a great markup in minerals and it would get the kids off the streets and it would give them a place to meet and it would also help to improve their social skills. And a couple examples of bad driving coming in uh, to us. Pat says, Morning Patricia, yesterday I had to fall into a line of cars all travelling behind a truck carrying a load of round bales who wouldn't pull in. There were a lot of trees on the road and this person drove without care. He actually pulled down large branches and some of them landed on the top of the cars driving behind him, who then had to stop. The thing is that this went on for 10 miles. And not a guard to be seen, says Pat. And I assume in that 10 miles there was space for the guy driving the truck, carrying all the round bales. There was space for him to pull in and he just didn't, which is unusual because in the, I think in the main if you are in a situation like that where you're travelling behind a, a truck or any kind of a large agricultural vehicle, I certainly find that they are good. You'll be, you might be caught there for three, four, maybe five miles, but they will eventually, when there's a gate or there's a bit of traffic behind them, they will pull, pull in. I think legally they're meant to pull in as well. So, But anyway, Pat says, not a chance of this guy pulling in and he was also appeared to be driving quite recklessly. Now, here's one uh, that we can all learn from because this is to do with the the poor old learner driver. It says, uh, hi Patricia, on driving. I really think we've all lost our manners. My teenage children are learning to drive and before your listeners go off on a rant saying, Jesus, she must be loaded, we're not. They both got summer jobs so they're paying for the cost of learning to drive themselves. Well done, well done. One of them will hopefully be going to college next year and we've worked out it'll be actually cheaper for him to commute than to have to pay for accommodation. But let's get back to the manners bit that I contacted you about. I was a passenger in our car during the week. We live in a very rural part of Cork where the briars have destroyed the left hand side of my car while my son is learning to drive. We met a car on the road so we had to come to a complete stop. The other driver could have and should have pulled into a gateway, but didn't. I had to undo my seat seat belt, reach across my son, who was driving and at this stage had stopped, and I pointed to the L plate, which was quite visible on the windscreen. People need to give learner drivers a chance 
and allow them a bit of space rather than running them off the road. I think qualified drivers need reminding that they need to give drivers a chance and be mannerly. And remember, please, you were once a learner driver yourself. Yeah, uh, it's that, that's, the, that's the one thing I always say to people. And it annoys me, I have to say, if I see or hear of drivers and you'll, you'll see it if you're either yourself, if you're parked or you're in traffic or you're out walking and you'll see someone tooting the horn or being aggressive just because somebody has an L plate up. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. A bit of common courtesy, a bit of manners. And remember, we were all learner drivers once. I always try and keep back a little bit from the learner driver because there's nothing worse than being up on top when you were learning to drive. If you thought somebody was impatiently behind you, it made you more nervous. So thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Now, with this year's Rose of Tralee final just days away, there is another competition that pits the nation's pets against each other. It's called the Nose of Tralee. It's got 32 finalists, one from each county in Ireland. Flying the flag for Cork in this year's pet pageant is Ralph. Now, Ralph is just six months old and his owner, Chloe Smith from Carrigaline, joins me. Good morning to you, Chloe. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, this competition was open to all pets, yeah, but so it's mainly dogs and I think two cats have made it to the final. Yeah, there's two or three cats that made it into the final, but like people can vote in um, they can enter in like their rabbits or their hamsters as well so it's open to absolutely any kind of animal that you'd have really any pet yeah okay take me back when and why did you decide to enter Ralph into this competition so this is the sixth year it's on I think and this is the first year that I've heard of it but when I saw the like the advert on Facebook I was like oh do you know that, that's actually kind of like a cool idea it'd be you know kind of a bit of fun just to put the dog in just kind of for a bit of a laugh really and then because like, we only got him in, I think it was March or April we got him. So, you know, when you get a new puppy, you just kind of want to show them off to everyone. Yeah. So I put him into the competition as a bit of a joke. And then when I got the email saying that he was in for the into the semi-finalists, I was like, oh, OK, this is great. <laughs> and then he got into the finals and I was like, oh, my God, this is actually, actually Happy really days. Fun. So Happy it days. started off as a bit of, you know, just a bit of fun. But now, like, the competitive side of me is starting to come out just now tell me about Ralph and what type of a dog he is and what, what's his nature like? So he's a six month old uh, miniature schnauzer so he's a salt and pepper colour and our last dog we had him for 14 years so oh. this is kind of like pretty much my first time having a puppy that I remember bringing up okay. and it is so difficult <laughs> he is so energetic and like he's, there's just no stopping him we could bring him for about an hour walk and he'd come home and he'd still be doing laps around the garden just wanting to play even more yeah, at six months, he's kind of, at the, he's really, from a toddler point of view, he's at the terrible tooth stage now. Yeah, is, is like he, the batteries is, in him are just never dying. Is he, is he chewing things? He was at the start. He was chewing the legs of the table and my oh. mum wasn't happy at all. Or we came home one day and he was after peeling the potatoes for us for dinner. Oh. <laughs> so, he's not toes. Have you managed to house train him? Oh yeah, he was brilliant to house train. Like Great. When we got him, he only had about two or three accidents in the house. He used to just always go to the back for some reason. Well done, well yeah. done. That's, that's And he's, 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 he's a handsome looking dog. Yeah, we always get stopped when we're out walking him because people, like you don't really see that many schnauzers around the place. Yeah. So when yeah. people see them, they're just like, oh my God, he's handsome, what is he? And like he laps up the attention because even if we're walking him and there's people walking towards us, he'll sit down and just stare at them and wag his tail and just wait for them. Oh, 
And and what when when you say you had another job for fourteen years, was he a Schnauzer as well? No, he was no. Um, a little Yorkshire Terrier. Oh. So we got him when I was seven, and he has to be put to sleep there in December just because he he had cancer and stuff. Oh, heartbreaking! Yeah. Just well, before just before Christmas. Yeah, it was second uh, oh. of December. Oh, bless! Yeah. Bless. <laughs> Uh, is, is that Ralph barking in the background? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Barking out, barking out the cat. All right, so uh, so you, so you waited a few months to get over the heartbreak of your other much loved pet before before you got at Ralph. So you're through to the final. Ralph now is representing Cork. There's no other dog from Cork. No, so it's just Ralph representing Cork. And you vote online. Yeah. So if you go onto the Nose for Lee website, or even um, if you go onto their Facebook page, they'll have the link for it as well. And you can vote there then every 24 hours and the vote is running until 5 o'clock on Tuesday, so on the 27th of August. And then the winner will be announced then on that evening. I voted yesterday and as you say, it's every tw- you can do it once a day. Yeah, so every okay. 24 hours. So like if you go back into it, it'll tell you how long you have until you can vote, vote again. again. I, will, I will do Very that. I will, I will give Ralph uh, another vote. What are the prizes? So you get, this year it's um, Tesco sponsoring so one of the prizes is a 500 voucher Tesco, or Tesco voucher. Well, it'll buy a lot of dog food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's also a professional photography shoot with oh. uh, David McCauley Photography. Okay. And you get a professional like um, canvas photo as well. Of Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a 200 euro, or I think there's a 200 or 250 euro voucher for dog walking and pet sitting and then a 150 euro voucher for a pet connection. All right, okay. So that's not, nice little prizes, nice yeah. little prizes. Okay, and you, do, have you any idea how you're doing on the voting? We don't know um, exactly how many votes each person has, but like there's a woman called Kate that runs it and like there's a Facebook page um, a Facebook group online that all the finalists are into. Yeah. And every now and again, she'll update us with how many votes there are. Yeah. So the last time she updated us, I think it was yesterday or the day before, there was uh, 13,000 votes altogether. Oh. So but, we're but, doing pretty well. But but no idea where, you know, are you in the top five? We have no idea. No. no <laughs> so have you done, I mean, obviously you're chatting to us and hopefully with that, we will encourage listeners to go on to Nose of Tralee and give Ralph a vote. Are you running a, are you running a media campaign yourself on social media? So I share the post every now and again. Okay. And what I do as well is if he's out walking, I bring the sash and if we're kind of sitting down somewhere, I'll sit him down and I'll have the sash around him just to kind of get his attention as well. <laughs> he has the sash? Yeah, so in the finalist photo you'll see that he has a sash around his neck Yeah, and it has Pet Sitters Ireland and Tesco's logo on it. Uh, saying that he's representing Cork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so keep it, keep, and, and, and where in Carrigaline do you walk him? So we walk him usually down the Crosshaven Walk where we go to Kirby Woods. Okay, and you're out every day walking with him because he's so full of energy. Yeah, we have okay. to kind of wear him down somehow. <laughs> well, listen, good luck with it. We hope Ralph is absolutely adorable and we'd love to see you win the, or for Ralph to be the nose of Tralee for this yes. year. But thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Uh, bye-bye. That bye. is uh, Chloe Smith, um, Mammy of Ralph, who is Cork's representative in the Nose of Tralee competition. If you want to take a look at it online and give him a vote. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. When we were talking with the Vintners Federation, actually in the last, our Padraig Cribben mentioned that people could go into bars and have a pint of water with a, you know, a splat of my wadi in it and uh, that it would be free and that's not fair and that's why uh, minerals can be so expensive. Uh, a listener says, black current 
and a pint of water wasn't always free Trish that's only new actually a lot of pubs and hotels still charge some can charge up to 30 cent for a pint of my wadi do they? thought everywhere you went all those mixers were free anyway somebody's obviously been charged in some places the dash of my wadi if you just want to water with some some orange or black orange or whatever it is are many people charging let us know that 1850 333103 if you've been somewhere where you were charged for the splash of cordial inside in your pint or your glass of water and by the way when we were talking about learner drivers when that mum was on to us saying come on a little bit of manners please we've lost manners on our roads and uh, we need to she was talking about her her two teenage children are learning to drive and how people they just seem to see the L plate and whatever it is they just don't give space or they become aggressive with their driving and people seem to forget that they were once learner drivers well lo and behold the Road Safety Authority and Angarda Siakona are launching a campaign aimed at stopping people's long term reliance on a learner permit there are 41,316 people on their fourth or subsequent learner permit for a car. Of those, now this is the, this is the remarkable figure, 8,668 people are on their 10th or successive learner permit. So these obviously are people, these are people who've tried to do the test and haven't been able to pass, but there are also people who didn't, they'll apply for the test and then just simply won't turn up nerves I'm assuming get too much but I mean that is an incredible figure nearly 9,000 people driving around on a tenth of successive learner permit and next Monday the Gardaí are monitoring uh, a checkpoint focusing on learner permit holders they're going to ensure compliance with learner driver regulations which obviously means you have to have a qualified driver sitting in the car with you they're also uh, we're going to wait for Monday for this they're going to share year on year enforcement figures for vehicles which have been impounded from learner permit holders and the number of fixed charge notices which have been issued for non-display of L plates. I'll be really interested to see how many cars were impounded because they started impounding cars if they stopped to learn a driver and they didn't have a qualified driver with them. They started impounding the cars. It'll be interesting to see is that figure up or down. And also we know anecdotally we know that a number of learner drivers who find themselves in the position that they literally don't have anybody to sit in the car with them to get them from A to B and rather than get stopped at a checkpoint when the guard are out checking they just simply don't put up the L plate so it seems a number have been have been caught for that uh, as well so we'll hear more about that on the programme on Monday. 1850 a story coming through to us that the slaughterhouse in Castle Martyr has been urged to beef up its security after a cow escaped from the local abattoir. Uh, this story has been highlighted by the East Cork Journal and uh, joining me, uh, Seamus Whelan, journalist with East Cork Journal. Uh, Journal. Uh, good afternoon to you, Seamus. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, now, it, this was Tuesday of last week, the 13th. So it would have been Tuesday the 13th of August, exactly. Yeah, what, um, what happened? Well, if you pardon the pun, the uh, the heifer uh, hoofed it uh, from the uh, from the abattoir um, uh, about three thirty in the afternoon. Um, it said that uh, the animal um, jumped a holding pen and made its way into the village and uh, down the the main street into the car park um, at the back of the uh, centra and uh, made its way into the uh, the storeroom there. 
um, it caused a bit of a commotion. Um, generally, the um, it would have been a busy time for the store on on, on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, but luckily there was only just one person in the in shopping at the time. The uh, staff were quick to act. They um, they basically locked the back door and they they closed the gate, so uh, were able to uh, keep the animal penned until uh, it was collected. God, that was um, that was quick thinking on behalf of the staff. It was, um, it was. We were, we were speaking to uh, Monica Starzak. Uh, she's an employee at at Hearns, and she says it was a, a a miracle. Nothing was damaged inside or outside. There weren't too many cars in the car park either. Um, you can imagine an animal of uh, that kind of size, kind of um, being very uh, being very distraught. Um, they they could have done quite a lot of damage, but uh, luckily. Uh, it, it, everything went uh, went off okay, and uh, the the animal is now uh, back in the farm, um, happy as as Larry. Now back in the farm, not back in the abattoir. No, he won't be, or she won't be uh, back at the abattoir um, any day soon. Because what we've been told is that the animal would have had a memory of the incident if she comes back at a later stage. So it's up to the farmer now to decide if they're going to send her somewhere else for slaughter. But when they caught the animal last week, obviously they couldn't have, um, they couldn't have euthanized her because um, the meat, there's a fear the meat, the meat would have been tarnished because she was so stressed. Oh, you're blessed. So she's, she's, you can't slaughter an animal that's in any way distressed, is the advice. No. Oh. The advice. Okay, so, so she's, she, she, she spared herself uh, for for one day, but uh, she's attained herself some, uh, uh, some, some, cele- some celebrity in, in, in Castlemarter anyway. And she lives to chew the cud for another day. That's it. Uh, by the way, does that get reported to anyone when when a, a, a heifer like that breaks out? It's it's a very grey area. Um, basically, the guards had told me that they had no reports of the incident. No, we had um, a, a number of people had had called us saying that uh, they there was a bit uh, bit of commotion when they when they saw um, some fellow walking down the main street with a shotgun. Uh, but it did, and reported it to the Gardaí, but the Gardaí said they haven't heard of of, of anything. Um, no, the, the the local that uh, contacted us said it didn't get to the uh, stage where the where the Garda response unit uh, came in. But uh, we now know it was uh, due to the breakout of uh, of the animal last last Tuesday. Um, now also the HSA say that they haven't been made aware of of any incident. Now, I'm assuming the reason why they weren't uh, made aware is because there was uh, nobody injured. No injuries, in, yeah. In, in, yeah. In, in the breakout. Thankfully. So, um, thankfully, so everything was um, was contained and the animal is uh, lives to fight another day. All right. Okay, Seamus, listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. No problem, Patricia. Good afternoon to you. That is uh, Seamus Whedon of the East Cork Journal on the uh, heifer on the run from the uh, slaughterhouse in East Cork. 1850 Let me look at some of your calls and texts coming in. Column in Bottevent. This is on the roads and the overgrown ditches and hedges. The narrow roads were never that narrow. 
it's because the ditches have encroached onto the roads. The roads, is, roads were wider, but they're only narrow because of the ditches. If you cut all the ditches and the verges cut back, you would have much wider roads, is what uh, Colm and Buttevant is saying. Finbar to C103 Twitter pages is on landlords. Landlords often get a bad name, says Finbar. We seldom hear the positive stories. I know of a landlady, said Finbar, that took in a French student who was scammed out of €1,000. Her rent was reduced accordingly to recover the money during her term. She was a student at CIT for the last academic year. Well done to that landlady. Goodness me, that's a, that is really terrific and, and great that with a foreign student, because that French student will go back and while we'll talk about losing money to a scam... But she'll also talk about what great generosity there was there for that uh, landlady in Cork. So uh, well done. I don't have a name on that. Olive was on to say, Patricia, dash of water when you go into a bar or a restaurant. I can tell you it's one fifty for a pint of water with a dash of lime or whatever you decide to, whatever you're having yourself in a pub. I know because that's what I drink. Not every pub though. Come on. It's just obviously the pub you're drinking in. Not every pub and hotel and restaurant will charge you for a dash of cordial, I'm sure. I'm open to correction, but I'm 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 blown away if you're telling me that it's 150 and that uh, but how many of them are charging 150? I don't know. John Paul says he's got he's got a few other calls like uh, Olive. Again, I'm I'm thinking in some. You've obviously we've got some, but not all. We can't tar all of them with the one brush and say that every single pub, hotel, and restaurant is charging for a dash of uh, cordial. Cordial. And Aidan and Clonakilty says I received a letter claiming it was that I was through to the final stages of the American Powerball lottery. However, for me to play, it would cost €10. Guess what? All I had to do was give them my card number. God, they're making things so easy for you, Aidan. Obviously, it's a scam, but just to warn people. And that's a new modus operandi. I haven't seen that uh, before. Would they look for you to pay the €10? Just give us your card details. We'll take the €10 out. Your card would be emptied pretty quickly, I imagine, if you had passed on the information uh, to them. Thank you for that. Some of your texts uh, in... Uh, this is on scams. I can't understand, says a texture. They can get men to walk on the moon and yet they can't catch these scam artists, particularly the ones who are ringing up people, the, the computer scammers. That says a Douglas. Uh. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, 
Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Listener. Hi, Trish. My son got charged $150 as well for a dash of cordial. Okay, that was in uh, Clonakilty. Hi, it is not fair. This is on the cutting of the hedges. It's not fair on the council to be cutting hedges. I think everybody should cut their own hedges. They're just lazy and then they won't stop complaining. So all the landowners and the farmers need to go out and cut their own hedges. Mick Middleton says, Patricia, um, put those so-called wildlife experts on our lovely bushy roads with their big fancy cars and then they'll see what we're on about and the damage that can be done to our car. These decisions are made in an office by somebody who doesn't have a clue what country life is like. And that comes in from Mick in uh, Middleton. Thank you, Mick. Mary says, Patricia, what is wrong with all these people that are complaining? They want work done. And then when it's done, they're still complaining. People need to stop giving out and just put up with it. Just put up with the overgrown hedgerows. Complaining is not going to get you uh, anywhere, says uh, Mary. And I'm seeing now on this whole issue with the the charging for the pint of cordial. We're getting a bit of traction on this. Uh, Ellen says, Patricia, as a non-drinker myself, I can agree with you that not every pub charges for a pint of cordial. I've never been charged in any pub or restaurant that I've been in. When I was on holiday in Australia, they provided free minerals for non-drinkers, an amazing incentive for the designated drivers. Uh, thanking you, says uh, Ellen. And they, they try some of the drinks company tried to do that at Christmas you know when they tried to get somebody to nominate one in the party to be the designated driver and you can get a few glasses of mineral and I think I think it's good I think it's it's good and a great incentive by on behalf of the publicans in Australia because obviously again it's been done so that the driver can go out and have a night out not going to cost them anything because their minerals will be free and then they're the ones bringing the drinkers home who will be spending the bulk of the money inside in the hotel so it's clever it's clever on behalf of the publicans uh, as well and someone else says the Mallow GAA they used to charge 30 cent for the dash of cordial but not anymore okay and I saw that coming from somebody else as well saying that it seems some of the establishments were charging and they've they've decided not to now so I don't know whether it, it has stopped or, or not the Quality Hotel in Red Baron in Yall they charge 50 cent for a dash of cordial says another texter 1850 333 103 and a quick mention to the bingo it is on in Middleton Pavilion tonight at eight. Great prizes. Thanking you, uh, says Marion, if you want to go along. And a final text in from Mike says, I love wildlife, but as hedgerows are concerned, I think 
there can be a happy medium between the road user and the actual cutting of the hedge. But Mike, it's to find that happy medium. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Fundraising dance in aid of Chernobyl Aid Ireland uh, goes ahead tonight in Ovens Hotel. Dancing is to the Michael Collins Band from half nine admission. 10 euro money raised will go to truck driver Pat Cochran, who was travelling to Belarus in September. Bingo's on in Kildallery Parish Hall tonight, half past eight, while a jumble sale will be held in St. James's Church of Ireland in Mallow today. It started at 11, it goes on until three o'clock. Everybody's welcome. Mission is free and proceeds are in aid of the Mallow Union of Parishes. Glanmire Heritage Group, they've got a musical evening that's at the Riverstown Hotel tonight. It's on from 8 until 10pm. And IRG Do Hollow are screening The Greatest Showman. It's in an outdoor cinema setting in the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket. It's on tomorrow. The film will start at around 9.15. They've got to wait for it to get dark enough. Tickets are €5 Euro for adults. Children under 16 are free. But please note, it's a strictly alcohol event. And Mornabi Heritage Association of Churchgate Collections at All Masses in Burnford and Annalienta this weekend. Please give generously. And the Inascara Family Pet Dog Show has a new look this year to make it more inclusive for children and young handlers. Entries for children will be taken at half one and there will be a bouncy castle, lots of children activities, horticultural show, floral display and lots, lots more. And it's all happening this Sunday in Inascara. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Eileen in from Moy by text saying, Hi Trish, in regards to paying for a dash of cordial, I always pay one fifty for mine when I go dancing. Don't drink alcohol and I've no problem with paying one fifty for my drink. Don't like min- minerals, so I consider it to be okay and good value for money. The way I look at it is, staff have to be paid, the glass has to be washed, there's all of the other costs, insurance, everything else and before anybody asks, I'm not related to anybody owning a pub, I just can see the reason why I I am paying for the glass of glass of water with a splash of cordial. And thanks to Simon at Charlie Madden Spa in Timberley to say we do not charge for pints of cordial and water. And by the way, says Simon in Charlie Madden Spa in Timberley, a case of cordial will cost a publican 50 euro, 15 euro on average. So there is also, obviously there is a cost in buying the cordial. But then as Eileen explained, there's all the other costs that go with even opening the front door of a pub or a hotel or wherever, I don't know where Eileen goes, uh, dancing uh, as well. So there's, you know, they have to, they're businesses, they have to make money or they won't keep that front door uh, open. Helen says, hi Patricia, I've been charged for a glass of water and cordial also, one fifty at the Hazel Tree in Mallow. It is free in other places, including in Killarney and I've drank in places in Cork City where it is free. So it depends. It depends on where you go and who can assume some people can uh, cover the cost and they don't need to charge, but there will be other venues, so I suppose, who have no choice, but they have to charge. Now, the Rose of Tralee tour, as we speak, is all over the country with all roads will eventually lead to Tralee and our beautiful roses will be on the TV on Monday and Tuesday night with the final crowning 
late on uh, Tuesday night. But it's the first time in 11 years that the 32 roses stopped off in Cork this week. So we sent Mairead Tuig from our newsroom. We sent her off to Carrigaline to have a chat with the roses for C103. My name is Laura Kennedy. I'm this year's London Rose, but I'm originally from Glenville in County Cork. Simone Hendrick Buchanan and I am the South Australian Rose this year but I was born in Erinville Hospital in Cork. Stephanie McCarthy from Douglas in Cork and the Cork Rose. Rebecca Mazza, the Sydney Rose and I have lots of family and connections in Cantor, County Cork. I'm Karen Cashman, I'm the Abu Dhabi Rose this year and I'm from Carrick 2 in East Cork. My name's Sarah O'Shea, I'm the Western Canada Rose this year and I grew up in Douglas in Cork. Hi, um, I'm Sinead Flanagan, I'm the Limerick Rose but I've lived and worked in Cork for almost six years now. It's been a whirlwind, to be honest. We kind of from the second we kind of arrived, it's just been go, but it's been like fantastic chaos. It's been a, <laughs> a, a really, really great experience so far, and we haven't even got to Tralee yet. It feels like uh, we left a week ago, but uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, we've had an absolute amazing time. And just getting to know all the girls in person um, so much better, and it doesn't feel like we've been friends years. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just been amazing. We've had lots of uh, group. Uh, opportunities to bond as young women and I think it's fantastic we've had sing-offs and sing-alongs on the buses and it's just been amazing it's just been such a great time and I think the Rose of Chile is really about all the friendships that we all make and so it's just been I think we all agree that it's just been amazing so far yeah. everyone's getting on really well the sing songs yeah. are off the charts yeah. on the bus we're losing yeah. our voices already oh but um yeah I know it's, it's going really well there's personalities seem to gel well and everyone's yeah. just buzzing to get down to Chile so you're working in Cork but you're from Limerick yeah so neighboring and you're going to Kerry for the Rose of Chile you're a bit of fun. I'm covering most of Munster, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've actually was in Mallow General. I was been we rotate every three months um, in the hospital. So I was in Cork in Cork University Hospital, then the South Infirmary, just not too far from here. And um, now I was in Mallow General for the last four months. So it was kind of very borderline there in North Cork. So um, I was going up and home to Limerick every so often. But yeah, no, Cork is fantastic. My mum's from Ballyhay as well, so very very strong Cork connections. But uh, love Cork, love living here. But it's also very close to home. So. I'm the best of both worlds. What's it like packing your bags to do the Rose of Chile? Oh, don't even ask. It was <laughs> like coming from Australia, you have to really think ahead of everything. So I had my my bag packed to the brim, and then I have my mom packing stuff and my boyfriend packing stuff and carrying on the two kilo dresses onto the plane. Is <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, it's great. I, I always say, if with 32 women together, if you forget something, someone's bound to have oh, it. So yeah. it'll never be stuck. Airport a ring to get another bag sent home. Like, I got <laughs> forgot forgot bits, and there was somebody else coming after, so they were able to bring it over for me. What encouraged you to want to get involved? Is it always something you wanted to do? Yeah, well, I'm from Dingles, so I just lived outside of Chile my whole life. So we used to always go into the parade, and I I remember being so excited when the roses came through and waving at them. And um, since emigrating to Australia, it's become has more sentimental value to me and my connection to home, pretty much. So yeah. I can't wait, it's already started and I wasn't expecting it to be so crazy but it's brilliant. And has a little bond formed here amongst the group of you guys given that there's uh, rebel roots. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a bit of pride there I think, yeah, yeah. 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 We're all very proud of our links to each other. Um, when we're all all of us together, we, I kind of the likes start coming out more frequently. <laughs> yeah. We've got quite a few singers this year, so I'm sure you're going to hear from 
hopefully a few of us, if the voices hold up, um, <laughs> we'll hopefully be singing for you on the night. Marcy, you're keeping it strictly under wraps yeah. for the moment, yeah. but there are so definitely some tune surprises. Tune in the message. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. some acts that have be never been done before, yeah, so definitely, definitely keep Lots an eye out. variation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. Can you discuss like, your, what you're going to do and practice for each other? We have to. You can hear it on the corridor up and down, yeah. And thanks to Mairead Tuig from our newsroom heading out to chat with the Roses during the week in Carrigaline and that the other voice you heard there was uh, Owen English uh, from the Examiner. He was also uh, covering the Roses in uh, Carrigaline uh, earlier in the week. And the best of luck to every one of them. Seven in total have the strong Cork connections, which is terrific. Uh, but obviously we have our fingers crossed for Stephanie McCarthy, who is the Cork Rose for this year. She's a 27-year-old. She's currently studying for a Master's in Pharmaceutical Technology. And uh, she's a bright, bright girl. And she's hoping to pursue a career in developing therapies for conditions with limited treatments. Well done, well done. Best of luck, uh, Stephanie. And the Roses, of course, will be on TV with Dahi on... Monday night and again on uh, Tuesday night. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. We're going to take a break and we're back going to the movies with Mark Malone. Mark Malone, our movie reviewers in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, you went to the movies to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then on DVD, it's a DVD called The Captor but it's also in other parts of the world known as Stockholm and you'll explain all of that to us in yes. a moment. But let's start with a trailer from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm Rick Dalton. That's your son? No, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Alright, what's the matter, partner? Line? Ha! It's official, old buddy. Who has been? Burst yourself like that in front of all those damn people. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I play Miss Carlson. Give me a lift. Where are you going? Charlie's gonna dig you. In this town, I can all change. Sounds like a great soundtrack uh, to this movie, and I'm just looking down through the cast. That's an incredible cast. It's well, it's Quentin Tarantino, and uh, he can basically just snap his fingers and says, "Who, and want, are, who wants to be in my movie?" And they they rush, and they do indeed. Yeah, I mean, and this is actually Quentin Tarantino light, and I mean light in the sense of violence. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, Quentin is, Tarantino straight away goes to me going, "Oh no, I'm not into Quentin Tarantino too much violence," but not we're not talking that. Yeah, here. I mean, if you remember, you probably didn't see Django, but no. uh, at the end of Django, just blood everywhere, mm. and uh, so when the violence does happen, I mean, it is quite, uh, it is Quentin to Tarantino, watch it. it is Quentin, but it's not. Quentin Tarantino as we've seen in the past it's not okay. crazy and, and, and over the top uh, so I think you'd, uh, you'd actually like this and um, certainly if uh, you know you have an interest in Hollywood in the late 60s and into the 70s where things began to change because in the 60s you know uh, Hollywood and uh, TV was still quite conservative and then you got into the 70s the whole hippie movement came uh, came along and then I think uh, Hollywood became kind of introspective and, and films kind of slowed down a little bit and got kind of a little bit more serious and people think of Hollywood as the golden age of Hollywood the 70s 
70s as being the golden age of Hollywood. So when we meet Leonardo DiCaprio here, he's had a, you know, a TV career which was really, really quite successful. Uh, but now what's happening is that it's beginning to change and people like him, they're not really interested in cowboys anymore because now they want to make films about uh, kind of very heavier kind of issues uh, relating maybe to war and the Vietnam War and the drug issues uh, and hippie and that whole hippie culture. Uh, so his which, career is fading away. Yeah, which is odd because Leonardo DiCaprio still looks and sounds like he's 19 years of age. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's one man that's never aging. So that is a bit odd. So he's been making this television series about this bounty hunter, which is kind of this black, black and white cowboy uh, western, which I know um, is meant to be Wanted Dead or Alive, the Steve McQueen uh, western uh, series, which I loved as a kid because Steve McQueen was just so cool. So basically, that's what um, um, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino is referring to here. And there's lots of references from TV and movie from around that time. And I would have been around that time. So, for example, some extraordinary scenes. There's a scene, for example, where Brad Pitt just goes in and watches Mannix. Do you remember Mannix? I I do. I, do. See, I, I loved do. Mannix. Yeah. I loved Mannix. And it was one of my favourite TV series. And um, and it was just great to watch. And there's another scene where they sit and they just watch. Um, do you remember there was a television series called FBI? I do. I again, which, which had Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in it. And his daughter Stephanie was in that television series with um, Pierce Brosnan. Can you remember what that was called? Kind of off the top of my head. Oh. oh. Anyway, yeah. so uh, so there's lots of references uh, to a lot of stuff that I used to watch as a young, yeah. young boy. And so that kind of really thrills me so I don't know how 19 year olds might be able to kind of uh, relate, you know, to that. relate to that exactly yeah. and there's a, this is nearly three hours long and the thing is, is that there's a lot of the time in this film where nothing much happens and they sit around just simply watching television and it's great <laughs> and there's a lot of talking I and mean, it's one of the problems that I have had with Tarantino in the past and especially with uh, say Inglorious You Know What for me it was really really way too talky uh, one of the best things he's ever written was in a film which he didn't direct himself it was a film called True Romance and there's a scene with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken in that where they just talk for about 15 minutes and it's extraordinary so there are times when his dialogue is amazing and there's a lot of that here there's a scene where uh, for example Leonardo DiCaprio sits next to a little girl this precocious little girl who, with whom he's going to share a scene with and they start talking about their careers it's the start of her career and she talks to oh. eloquently about what she wants to do and who she wants to be and how she's approaching this character and here's Leonardo DiCaprio who feels his career is on the way out and he's a bit depressed and it's extraordinary and the performances are just absolutely amazing obviously DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are having a great time and they're really really enjoying themselves the film looks amazing and do you know what it is it's really cool and that's the only word you can use the look the sound the feel all of everything about it is extraordinary and um, and it's the way in which they weave then the stories around that time uh, the Manson uh, murders Sharon Tate uh, they also at one stage for example Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is, is persuaded by Al Pacino to go to Italy like Clint Eastwood did now yeah. they don't reference Clint Eastwood but he's saying I don't want to go to uh, Italy because you know spaghetti westerns terrible and uh, so there's lots of this kind of stuff happening and there's a lot of stuff being thrown at you constantly and he's and Tarantino's manipulating you the whole time he's leading into scenes where basically nothing happens and you go okay I saw what you did there and it's it's quite thrilling and you wouldn't think it would be and I should be getting angry uh, but you just can't because it is so cool you know DiCaprio and Brad Pitt oh, you can't get cooler than that I the know. soundtrack is extraordinary you just heard some Neil Diamond there you've also got you've got, you've got Bob Seger you've got Paul Revere and the Raiders you've got uh, Deep Purple it's just everything about it is just and e- and fabulous. even because when I saw it first and saw it because it's just under three hours you're normally the person who doesn't like the very long movies. I normally get to about uh, yeah, I normally get to about an hour and a half when I start uh, falling asleep. But here, I absolutely didn't in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of the time, you know, there's a scene where Brad Pitt just goes for a drive. 
the, 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 the scene means nothing to the film. It's yeah. just you enjoy Brad Pitt enjoying yeah. himself yeah. going yeah. for a drive. Yeah. And uh, and there's lots of scenes C- like cool. that. That's and cool. I, I loved it. I and it and aptly named Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and if you love Hollywood from around that time, you'll get a, gr- a kick out of that. Mark and I certainly I'm giving it 10. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Well done. And would that TV programme have been The Mannions of America? No. Oh! <laughs> no. <it laughs> That's wasn't. the one I remember Pierce Brosnan in. Remington Steel. Remington Steel. That's where he's the detective. Thank you. Yes. Okay, let's move on to the DVD. Now, this is... In this neck of the woods, it's called the capture. But if you're in America or other parts of the world, it's called Stockholm. So I'm assuming Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, what's interesting, and I don't know why they do that. I mean, the capture is a pretty boring title. I mean, you know, Stockholm is a better title. And everybody knows about Stockholm syndrome. And Um, well, I hope they do. Well, actually, and the thing about it is that this is about a, a bank heist in Stockholm in 1973. Oh, where the phrase Stockholm syndrome came from. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. All right. And so all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And all of a sudden you want to know about the original the 1973 bank heist, which is extraordinary. And if you do or do not even watch this film, go online and try and find There is a, a brilliant documentary, I believe, about it that uh, at least I've been told that it is. I did go on YouTube. There is some stuff about it on YouTube. And it is really, really quite extraordinary. So this is kind of based on that. Obviously, when it comes to the film, they've exaggerated, uh, you know, uh, parts of it. So basically the story is uh, Ethan Hawke, who plays this character called Kaj Hansen. He's played, he's, he's, he's Swedish, but he's spent a lot of time in America, so he's got an American accent. So okay. he arrives in Stockholm, and he decides to raid this bank with heavy machinery, and he's dressed as a cowboy, so they call him the outlaw. And once he's there, he takes a number of people hostage, because what he wants to do is he wants to get his pal Mark Strong, who plays the character of Gunnar Sorensen. He wants him out of jail and into the bank, so the two of them then can leave the bank with the hostages and get away and, uh, you know, uh, to, to freedom. And so whilst they're there, partly the hostages begin to have a relationship with these two men, and which is exactly what happened in the original film. And um, it kind of it kind of reminded me of Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. They had the same kind of feel to it. Okay. But the thing about Dog Day Afternoon is, one, it's a much better film than this. And two, it was like a drama with kind of comic elements. This is very, the tone in this is very odd. It's almost like they've decided to kind of go semi-comical with kind of drama elements. And I think that undermines it. And I think that's... this a, was a serious bank... Very much so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys were, you know, had guns to these hostages' heads. But then what happens is that um, Numi Rapace, who's uh, one of the women hostages who also produces here, um, the film lives and dies on the relationship between her and Ethan Hawke and whether or not you believe it. And unfortunately, I didn't believe it because that relationship should have kind of been worked on. The script should have been worked on better as they slowly but surely begin this relationship. But they don't. It's almost like she goes from being terrified to suddenly being in love with this man but you don't really believe it she's got a loving husband at home and two kids so you don't believe it and that's a shame and I think that's a pity there was no physical relationship in the in reality but if you do go back and you read some of the hostages uh, reports they were saying well they, they were actually very nice you know and at one stage when he said he was going to shoot me he said he was only going to shoot me in the leg I mean I thought that was lovely and, and he gave me his jacket so you do begin to kind of wonder but see the thing about uh, Stockholm Syndrome apparently you it's, 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 it's used as a survival 
survival strategy. Here it isn't. Here she actually falls in love with Ethan Hawke, but you don't believe it because he's such an idiot. He's such a fool. And that, unfortunately, is where it's, it's, it kind of lets itself down. Other than that, the performances are extraordinary. The 1973, uh, the 70s are recreated brilliantly, like uh, like the Tarantino film. All the cops have really long hair and mustaches and uh, the clothes and everything. And there are comedic moments where, where it's, it's very exciting and very interesting. But what I would do and say to people is uh, go back and, uh, you know, learn about the 1973, the original yeah. heist, which is extraordinary. Yeah, because I was even looking at uh, some of the things that they sent out for a list of things that they needed like they look for whiskey and boxes of princess cigarettes and calming pills for the ladies because they're getting nervous <laughs> <laughs> not the typical thing that uh, kidnappers look for no. okay uh, market out of 10 it's still a good entertaining 7 though 7 out of 10 okay and it's called the captor on this uh, side of the world yes. okay thank you for that we'll chat again next week Mark Malone our movie reviewer it is feel good Friday and Nick Richards will be turning up the feel good factor on his uh, programme with tunes like this. That's Nick from One and Martina from Four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the Line Patricia Messenger. Enjoy your Friday and your weekend. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from One. C103. I'm out at CIT today for the Cork City Sports. Rob, hi. How are you? I'm great. It's the voice of Rob Heffernan. What are you doing here? Silly question. First and foremost, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of athletics, but I'm, I'm lucky to be on the on the board of the Cork City Sports now as well. Do you see the new talent coming through? Yeah, there's some incredible athletes coming through at the moment. I was asking some of the kids here earlier, name one famous Irish athlete. They all said you. Ari, oh, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, that's great. Join me from 1pm. C103. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.